Hello, and welcome to the Particular Baptist Podcast. My name is Daniel Vincent, here with my co-host Sean Cheatham. Um, and today we're going to be starting a new topic. Uh, we finished last week with Pastor Jake in our study on the confession, um, and we're moving towards kind of more the strict theological discussion and now to more of a cultural discussion. Um, so we're going to be diving into that today. Um, just as a reminder, uh, we are on YouTube. We also have audio platforms on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, to name a few. Um, so please check us out on those places. Subscribe to get the latest episodes. Um, and with that, I will hand it over to Sean. Hey, so yes, today's topic is going to be a little bit interesting. Um, many of you probably already saw this because it was making the rounds about a week ago. Uh, a graphic was put up uh, by one of the, the Smithsonian affiliate museums. I think it's the National Museum of African American History. Might not have gotten the name exactly right. And culture. And culture, okay. Uh, put up this graphic that was making the rounds and people found it offensive. And uh, uh, we wanted to highlight something that uh, wasn't necessarily being discussed or discussed as well as we thought it should be in the, the cultural um, battles. And uh, that's really that there's a, an attack of, on God in this uh, image and on his word, uh, the Bible. So uh, with that uh, being said, uh, let's get into um, let's get into it. So uh, if you're on YouTube, obviously you see the graphic in front of you. Uh, for people that are just listening along, you'll have to listen to what I uh, read. But so this this image starts out with a title of "Aspects and Assumption of Whiteness and White Culture in the United States," and in the United States, and then uh, goes on to describe whiteness. White dominant culture or whiteness refers to the ways white people and their traditions, attitudes, and ways of life have been normalized over time and are now considered standard practices in the United States. And since white people still hold most of the institutional power in America, we have all internalized some aspects of white culture, including people of color. So as we go through, hopefully the problem will become clear what they're saying in this, this uh, graphic is everything that follows, that's gonna be an aspect of whiteness or white culture. It's something to do with white people's traditions. And that is the subtle attack because a lot of what we'll be reading through is actually biblical truth. It's not relative, it's not a cultural thing, it's not just somebody's tradition and you could have a tradition that's equally valid. No, a lot of this is actually biblical truth and that mm -hmm. is, that's the attack that they're going for. Uh, so basically, oh, don't worry about Christianity. You know, it's 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 whatever. It's just relative, culturally relative. Let's be pluralistic. When God has said no, this is true. So ultimately, it's an attack upon Him. Uh, Dan, did you want to start reading through some of these? Sure. Yeah. So we can. Yeah, like Sean said, each one of these topics here, and there's as you can see, there's an overall topic and then some subtopics that dive into this whiteness, if you will, that has infiltrated our culture according to them. So we see the first option here. So rugged individualism. The individual is the primary unit, self-reliance, independence and autonomy, highly valued, rewarded, individuals assumed to be in control of their environment. You get what you deserve. Now, I, I think there is a sense where, you know, we would say, okay, biblically speaking, the individual is not the primary unit in the sense of uh, in the sense of ultimates. Um, we are to be concerned about others. 
we don't believe that our lives are centered around ourselves. Um, but I think this is talking about the idea of individualism with regards to um, our cultural aspects. You know, there, there's a emphasis on me and my life, um, and which I think is what they're, they're talking about here. This guy, idea of self-reliance, not relying on others um, and being independent. Um, an independent mindset is considered white, according to them. Um, so that, that kind of is how it starts off. Then, then they start getting into some of the more foundational structures of our society. So they dive into the family. They directly attack the nuclear family. So the nuclear family says here, father, mother, 2.3 children is an ideal social unit. Husband is breadwinner and head of household. Wife is homemaker and subordinate to the husband. Children should have own rooms, be independent. So, you know, we see a clear attack here upon the biblical standard of, of the household. The husband is the head of the household, according to scripture. Um, and uh, we actually just have been talking about this. Our pastor has been going through Ephesians um, and just finished talking about the family structure um, and discussed how biblically speaking and how in God's ordained order, the husband is the head of household. This isn't something that's white or, or related to people of color or whatever. This has to do with um, God's created order with regards to the family structure. Um, I'm not sure really what the statement children should have their own rooms and be independent um, has to do with anything. I mean, I, when I grew up, I had slept with, you know, my, um, my brother, we had, we shared a room for a while. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm uh, necessarily being white, you know, it, it's just what you do. Um, so yeah. Anything else to add, Sean? Yeah, uh, I do want to highlight something. Um, when it says the nuclear family, obviously mm. there is a sense in which just the nuclear family, father, mother, and children is, is, um, might be a little cultural because we do have other types of uh, cultures where you have three generations that live in a household, including grandparents. True. Obviously, there's nothing unbiblical about such an idea. Right, um, agreed. But... I think the attack here is a little bit subtler. They're attacking the idea of the family, period. Not as clearly in here, but you do read some of the other stuff that's going around and abolish the family and all that. And I think that's, this is a subtle lead into that. I don't think, I don't think it's attacking the difference between the nuclear family and, and, and uh, multi-generational family. No, I think they're, attack, yeah. they're trying to attack the, the foundations of family, period. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, clearly trying to turn on mm -hmm. his head that the, the wife should not necessarily be subordinate yeah. to her husband. She should be able to do what she wants to do. That's the implication. Yeah. Because whiteness here is bad. Mm -hmm. and the, and we, the, we can't have that. Yeah, the question for our listeners is, did God create the family and did he uh, orchestra, or order it in such a way uh, like that the husband is head? Does the scripture teach that? If so, then that can't be cultural. It just can't be. Right, that transcends culture. Exactly. Adam was made first, then Eve, and there's significance to that. There's, there's a lot of stuff to go into here, but the, the question ultimately is, what does Scripture say? Has, has God ordered this or not? If, he's, if it's not, then fine. It's cultural, whatever. But we right. would definitely argue that this is a biblical truth. Right. And kind of going back to ultimate strength, things that transcend culture, in the next section here you have um, a discussion on the scientific method. Now, I think this is one of the most ironic sections of this piece because 
the people who publish this are a scientific organization. You know, the Smithsonian is one of the, probably one of the most renowned worldwide in terms of um, scientific um, and historical research and publication. Um, I mean, there's two museums at the very least that are dedicated to natural uh, history. You know, you have the museum in New York and then you have the museum in Washington, DC. Um, so this, I find it very ironic in that sense, but you know, it talks about objective, rational, linear thinking. Apparently that's being white cause and effect relationships, um, which, which is, you know, if you're saying cause and effect relationships are bad, you're, you're essentially accepting the philosophy of David Hume who questioned causality, um, which is nothing new either. Um, quantitative emphasis. So the scientific method is being called in the question, even though they are using the scientific method as an organization. Um, so I think there's an irony in that. But from a biblical perspective, this is attacking um, just using the brains that God has given us. We are called to think God has created natural or given us natural laws that we can study and that things work the way they work because God has made them to be so. Um, and if you object and if you neglect and reject this type of thinking, objective, rational, linear thinking, um, then anyone can say anything they want. There's no absolutes. There's no objective standard for how you should do things. It's just whatever I think, because the opposite of being objective is being subjective, which means my reasoning is based on how I feel or what I, the individual or a group think something is without rejecting the ultimate standard that applies across the board. So we would see that as a, um, a flat uh, contradiction to Christianity and, and not just uh, Christian teaching, but also the nature of God. God is truth. He is the source of truth in this world. Um, as you know, Van Til would say, a fact is a fact because God makes it a fact. And so we, as Christians, hold to objective, rational, linear thinking because this is how God has made his world and he has called us to think this way and reflect the God who is truth itself. Um, so this is, again, another uh, what we would call worldly thinking, part of that world system, suppressing the truth of God. This isn't white. Um, this is how God has made the world and, mm -hmm. and pro, you know, um, uh, created his world to function. And if we neglect this, then you have anarchy. You have anarchy. Also, I'd like to point out the, the subtle or not so subtle racism here. Is this saying that like Hispanics or Asians, if there weren't any white culture around, wouldn't engage in objective, rational, linear thinking? That, you know, that's a good point. Because like, they're saying it's white. It came from yeah. white people. So if white people weren't around, then people of color would not be able to think. Yeah, this is, yeah. I think there's implicit racism, even though it's, un, I think it's yeah. unintended. But. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I would hope it's on there's some there's but. some, you know, there there's some ironies in here. And and the fact that, you know, there you this infographic is supposed to try and represent objective rational linear thinking mm -hmm. while rejecting objective rational linear thinking is is a um, a funny oxymoron, I guess, but yeah. All right. All right. Um then they start going into history. So this one's a little bit, um, this one I don't think has any necessary attacks upon Christianity per se. It's really just discussing, um, you know, white or uh, 
whiteness based on European immigrants' experience in the United States, heavy focus on the British Empire, which ironically was one of the big uh, proponents of destroying slavery and abolished slavery in Europe in 1804, but uh, they don't talk about that. The primacy of Western Greek, Roman, and Judeo-Christian tradition, which again was not founded by white people, was founded by people um, who were not of that ethnicity. Jesus was more than likely not a white person. Uh, the writers of the New Testament and the Old Testament were not people of uh, who were white, um, so that that's really a misrepresentation at that point. Um, again, having a proper understanding of history will inform mm -hmm. what is happening now. Yeah, and I, I'd like to point out the heavy focus on the British Empire, while it, it's not necessarily like laid out as malicious, the, the reason why we focus it on is malicious. Like you do sort of get that impression, why else would you include it here on a, right. a thing of whiteness and white culture? And I've, I've got to say, why wouldn't you study the British Empire? Because that is literally where this country came from. <laughs> right. We revolted from it. We uh, continued with their legal system. Like I would, I would, I would expect there to be a heavy focus on the British Empire, and uh, it does say based on Northern European immigrants' experiences. But you'll note we we do very little other study in American history uh, of like the French or the Germans. Obviously, with the World Wars or something like that, we do study right. it. But like there is an amazing amount of focus on the British Empire, which just goes to show you that it's mostly based on the fact of that's that's extremely relevant to our history because if right. it was all about all white people maybe you'd expect like more of an even like okay we're going to study germany just as much as we're going to study britain and that's that's just obviously not true yeah it's a it's a false assumption you're assuming that because there's a heavy focus on the british empire it must be because of their skin color no it's because it's where we came from yeah or we're our ancestors yeah. you know the people who founded this country or founding fathers were descendants of uh, from Britain. So we have to, to keep that in mind. And, and uh, even those reformed people who came over here were descendants from Europe, uh, primarily white as well. Um, and our particular Baptist people were in British Empire as well. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of ironic. And it's, again, an institution that is supposed to be credible in history and science, again, falls flat on its face, on its own stand. <laughs> um, yeah, then we move into the Protestant work ethic, um, which is an interesting, I don't know, I find that to be an interesting terminology. Yeah. Because are, are you saying that before uh, Luther nailed his 95 thesis on the door to the Wittenberg church that people didn't have a strong work ethic? Obviously not. That, that would be ridiculous. Um, so I think that's kind of ironic. Um, but some of the, the keynotes here. Hard work is the key to success. Work before play. If you didn't meet your goals, you didn't work hard enough. Um, so essentially what they're saying is if it, it's considered white to, to think that you have to earn success through work. You should get success by being lazy or doing whatever you want. But hard work that, you know, we can't have that, that that's white. Or work before play. I should be able to do what I want before I have to be responsible. So, um, you know, uh, James White was talking about this and, and he was basically saying, you know, being, you know, a grown up is, is white. That this, that's basically what they're saying. Um, so just basic grown up responsible adult things to do are, are considered racist now. Yeah. Also, 
with the Protestant work ethic, I wouldn't, while those are results of the Protestant work ethic, that doesn't get back to the Protestant work ethic because the <laughs> Protestant work ethic is a result of the Protestant idea that, well, the biblical idea, but it was obviously uh, brought out by the reformers, uh, that when we work, we don't work unto ourselves. We work unto God. So I'd right. like to read from uh, Colossians 3, starting at verse 22. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but, when, with, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So if we are Christians, well, we are to love our God. Well, everyone is to love their God. Uh, they don't actually have the right to not love their God. But regardless, as Christians, we are to love our God. So when we work, we recognize we're doing good and it's for him. So right. that's why we work and we work hard. To call this the Protestant work ethic and not have that foundation is not, um, I, don't, I wouldn't call that the Protestant work ethic. Let's put it that way. But um, to get to the hard work is key to the, the key to success and work before play, those are explicit biblical principles that, are laid out and uh you see that uh in the proverbs so i'm mm -hmm. gonna read three uh three excerpts from the proverbs here that um uh, really get into this so uh proverbs 12 11 uh he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding so what's the contrast here the person who works he's going to get his bread he's going to be able to survive the person who doesn't He's, he's a fool, essentially. That is from the Bible. So when they say that this hard work is cultural, that's an attack on the wisdom of God right there because God orchestrated yeah. the universe. He knows how it's to work. Um, and uh, we should follow his advice on how we should live our lives. Uh, he's, he, he knows what he's doing. So Absolutely. moving on. Oh, uh, yeah, moving on. Proverbs 13.4. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Same principle again. Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor, there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. So once again, the Bible puts emphasis on hard work. That is, this is the universe that God made. God did not make it so food rains out of the sky, except obviously during the uh, Exodus wanderings, but that was a little bit of a different context. Normative human life is not easy. Part of that's a result of the fall, but part of that is how God designed the universe. So when people don't want this to be true, they want to say, oh, hard work, that's a cultural thing. I don't have to be that way. They're trying to revolt against the rules of reality and ultimately the God who made it that way because God has designed the system like this. It is perfectly fair uh, and it is good. Doing hard work is actually a good thing. You get that sense of reward actually you actually accomplish something. Um, we see so. that in Ecclesiastes too. The writer of Ecclesiastes talks about taking joy in your work and enjoying mm -hmm. the fruits of your labor. And actually, it's a great evil to not enjoy the fruits of your labor. <laughs> you know, um, so hard work is good. It's from God and we can, en we can enjoy it and we should because... Um, it's part of his created order and we should, um, you know, we, we should enjoy those things that God has given us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the contrast here, I think you touched upon this a little bit earlier. Hard work is the key to success. 
These people don't care about glorifying God or yeah. working to God. We believe that we work unto the Lord as if he's watching us. We know he is. We live before Coram Deo, before the face of God. But these people are thinking about worldly success, getting money, getting comforts, whatever. And they're and from that mindset, you have this idea that I why do I need to work hard? There's no transcendent reason why I should work hard. Who cares? I want success and I want to get it how I feel like getting it. Um, I don't want to have to work hard to get there. Well, the biblical worldview teaches that, yes, we can certainly desire those things that are worldly in a sense um, in terms of working hard, but ultimately we do it for, for God's glory. The context of the Proverbs, um, you look at the early part of Proverbs where it talks about what true wisdom is. It's to follow God's commandments. Ecclesiastes talks about this too. The end of the matter is to love, obey God, keep his commandments, love him, keep his commandments. And so we do all of these things ultimately for God's glory, um, as opposed to the world, which does it just for the here and now. Yes, exactly. All right. The next section we have here, and this is, uh, this is probably one of the more stark and blatant um, attacks upon uh, Christianity. Uh, it's a section of religion. As, uh, so to these things, again, are talking about what it, whiteness is in our culture. So whiteness is that Christianity is the norm. Anything other than Judeo-Christian tradition is foreign. Uh, no tolerance for deviation from a single God concept. So Christianity being the norm would be considered white, according to them, um, which again, as we touched upon before, is ironic because Christianity was not founded by white people. Um, anything other than Judeo-Christian tradition is foreign. Now, as Christians, we would absolutely say, yes, it is foreign because we, God is, is exclusive in uh, in his call to repentance, you love him first, you love no one else, you shall have no other gods before him. There is an exclusivity. Um, that's not white. That is what the Bible teaches and what God has laid out in his word. Um, and the last one I, I find kind of ironic because no tolerance for deviation from the single God concept as if that is a white problem. Um, what about Muslims? Where that religion stemmed from, again, a non-white culture, but they, will, they are monotheists. They hold that there is only one God, and they re actually reject the Trinity on those grounds, um, the, the, the Christian teaching of the Trinity. So I, I find that kind of ironic, or very ironic, and, uh, and I don't think this actually addresses um, Christianity's um, tenets at all. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's it's ironic. Who who wrote uh, the the first commandment? Or is it the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. Um, I think that's second. Well, you shall love the no. I think it's the second. You shall yeah. have no other gods before me. Not make yourself yeah. who, an idol. Who yeah. who wrote that? Was that a was that a white person? No, obviously no. not. It was Moses. It was Moses. <laughs> or if if you don't believe that, which Moses did write it, but if you don't believe that, then you'd still have to admit it was somebody who was Middle Eastern who wrote it. Right. Uh, so the, the, yeah, the, the concept of monotheism comes from Judaism, which is uh, Middle Eastern, but ultimately we would say it doesn't come merely from Middle Eastern culture. Right. It does come from God. God has declared this. For example, he also says in um, Isaiah, which I have somewhere here, uh, Isaiah 45, five, 
I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Now, of course, the people that put together this uh, image are more than likely going to say, it's like, well, obviously that's still your culture, right? Because you're, you're saying this, but it's not necessarily true that there's one God, that God said this. And uh, I would argument, argue vehemently, no, that's, that's not true. And even better, you know that's not true. The Bible also declares in Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. God declares he has revealed himself through creation. The people that wrote this, uh, that created this image, know this. So uh, they may be suppressing that truth and they may be suppressing it very hard, but uh, they do ultimately know this and they're without excuse. So for them to say that uh, the single God concept is cultural is directly an attack. They want to continue to live in their sin. They want to continue to live in their idolatry and not be forced to worship the one true God who is worthy of our worship and praise. So they will, uh, they're, they're using this and trying to say it's cultural. When God has declared it is not cultural, it is true, and you know it. Yep, that's exactly right. And I think this is really, I think this is a subtle form of suppression, if you will, because yeah. you're trying to sneak it in by hopping onto the, um, the social justice bandwagon and trying to ship, push these views by utilizing that uh, medium. So I, I think that, you know, there are those who are mo more overt. I think this, even though it's ex explicitly speaking out against Christianity, I think it's trying to do so in a more subtle way that makes it more acceptable. Oh, if it's on the basis of race and, you know, we're not going to talk about the historical realities of Christianity, Judaism, and so on and so forth, um, then maybe we can sneak this in um, into people's minds subtly. Yeah. All right. Then it moves on into um, status, power, and authority. That's the next section. So wealth equals worth. That is white, apparently. Your job is who you are. Uh, respect authority, heavy value and ownership of goods, space, and property. Um, now, with the wealth equals worth, um, there is some truth to that biblically, as we've talked about with regards to hard work. Um, but in terms of, uh, ultimately we would say, no, your, your wealth does not equal your worth. Ultimately, no. obviously your status is going to be different, whether you have much or little in our culture, um, which is obviously, as we've seen, not necessarily a white thing. I mean, we've had, you know, a black president who is also very wealthy and his status follows suit. Um, so that's not necessarily white. Your job is who you are. Again, that's that in and of itself is not biblical. Um, we don't believe our job defines us. If we are Christians, we are defined by our union with Christ. Um, and we are each made, every human being is made in the image of God. And that's where our ultimate worth and who we are comes from. Um, respecting authority. Um, so apparently to respect authority and, and to obey rules is, is considered white, um, which wouldn't that seem to imply that those uh, who aren't white should not respect authority? Is that, is that what they're implying, maybe? 
I guess. Uh, um, that's what it seems to be. So those who aren't white should not respect authority because that would be considered to be accepting whiteness. Mm-hmm. I don't know, that, that's what it seems to imply. Um, I do, and then you're, yeah, go ahead. I do wonder, um, for example, for the people that uh, try to push um, maybe like racial quotas, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll limit this to the church for the moment because you do see a lot of people trying to explicitly push like, oh, we need to have more black elders, more black pastors, which obviously if a man's qualified, there's nothing wrong with having a, a black elder or pastor. Right. Absolutely. But um, if respecting authority is a, a white thing, then should we, when, when that black pastor is now in charge, should we disrespect their authority? Or would you still want us to respect authority? If you, <laughs> if you do, then this obviously isn't a cultural thing. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a little bit absurd. Uh, do, you, do you currently want us to re- respect the authority of the, the Smithsonian and the people putting this together? Right. They're uh, speaking on their authority as a credible institution in the scientific community. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and then you have the, you know, you have the heavy value and ownership yes. of goods. So private property is considered white, um, which I think is absurd. And people of any race, I think, would absolutely reject. And every country in the world, um, you know, whatever color they are, has some sense of privacy in terms of their national borders their national property mm-hmm. um yeah i mean and, and this is a biblical principle to have um rights into your um your space and property especially in old testament yeah. law private property was protected um, yeah you know if someone um i i don't remember the passage off the top of my head but exodus talks about if someone breaks into your home at night and you kill him um you're not going to be punished for it why? Because this person um, was breaking into your home, threatening your life and property, and you had the right to protect yourself. You know, so there, there's, a, there's a sense where the scriptures emphasize those things that you've earned that belong to you are yours. And I think it also goes back to the principle of covetousness. You know, you should not yes. be desiring someone else's goods. Why? Because it's theirs. They have a right to it. They've earned it or whatever it is. God has given it to them. You don't have the right to touch it or desire it. So I I think it goes back to that principle as well. Yes. Yeah. The eighth commandment, which I I did look it up. It is the first commandment really should have gotten that right. But uh, doing a podcast sometimes does weird things to your head. Um, uh, But the eighth commandment is you shall not steal. Uh, uh, In order to have you shall not steal, you need to have something that's not yours. Right. right. There needs to be a concept of that doesn't belong to me. I can't take it to even have that commandment make sense. Um, they might be getting a heavy value on ownership of goods, space and property, like an overly materialistic worldview. Um, it's not clear. So I, I'm not, not 100% sure. Uh, I wish they were a little bit more specific. Definitely but attacking private property to some extent. I would think so. I would think so based on the context of what ownership. this is in. Yeah, ownership of goods. Yeah, that's true. Um, but regardless, we are obviously aren't materialistic in our uh, in our outlook. Uh, we do believe uh, that we're supposed to help the poor. That ultimately, even though we we own things in a sense, everything belongs to God. He's the right. one who created it. He has ownership rights over it. So in a sense, we're we're renting anything we have. Right. Uh, and thus, if we see our brother or sister in need, we are we are to help them. Uh, we don't think that 
material gain is is in it and ultimate in any sense. So right, it's, it's ours in that we own it, relatively speaking, in yes. approximately where we are in this earth. God has given it; He's basically made us stewards of those things He's given exactly. us. Yeah, so, yeah. So regardless of what they're exactly going on here, even if they're trying to say white people are overly materialistic, well, once again, it's a little racist, but um, our our culture is. Uh, like the we we get our values from the Bible, uh, right? We aren't getting it from the cultural milieu we live in in America. Yep. All right. The next section that they have here, uh, future orientation. So, this I think is talking about um, just basic planning. So, plan for the future. Uh, delay gratification is apparently white. Progress is always best. Tomorrow will be better. So, uh, I this is absurd on on every level. I mean. The, the work that they put into this infographic, that obviously took planning. Someone had to design it. Someone had to tell someone to design it. It took planning. Um, so, I, I mean, it, this is an absolutely absurd on its face. But planning for the future is apparently white. So, you know, having careful planning, thinking about what you're going to do. You know, if you have to spend money on something, thinking about how you're going to spend that money, budgeting, things like that. That is all white according to this infographic. Um, delayed gratification. So this would be, you know, I want the pleasure now, not later. Um, it, that is apparently white, which I think goes, ties into the work ethic situation where, you know, your work is tied to your success. You know, you're not necessarily going to get um, your success now. You have to earn it. So those type of principles are white, apparently. Um, to be honest with the last two, I'm not sure what they're getting at. Progress is always best. Um, well, yeah. Because I wouldn't, I, I don't know if that's talking about progressivism necessarily, because obviously this is a progressive infographic. Mm. But yeah, that, that one really confuses me because would you say that the fact that we, we being America, people in America stopped having black people kidnapped and then sold into slavery was progress. And are you saying that's not better than what was before? Because that, like, I would disagree with that. Um, right. Yeah. It's like it's progression. Kind of progress by definition is, is best. Um, now, or well, better, I should say, perhaps not best, but progressing is better than what was before. Now, uh, obviously we might disagree on what, is and is not progress like right. for people that label themselves as progressives today i would not say that they're actually progressing uh except maybe pro progressing off a cliff well that, okay so if you're progressing <laughs> off a cliff then i guess that's not best sure you, you, you have me there but um in the normal use of the word progress it normally by definition includes the idea of better and uh if you're saying that progress isn't always best then I've really got to wonder about what you think of history. The tomorrow will always be better. I, I, I don't. I, maybe they're that. talking about optimism. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, our lives. If you're in Christ, every day can be a joyous day because you know you've been saved from your sins, um, and are, are going to be with the Maker of the universe, who is infinitely good and infinitely perfect. Mm -hmm. So, um, you don't necessarily have to be moping around through your life, but tomorrow will be better in like worldly circumstances. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say tomorrow will be better. 
Uh, and to be honest, I don't know too many people that would say that. Um, it's not a phrase I really hear that much for it to be in quotes and say tomorrow will be better. Yeah, as if it's some like a standard uh, cultural principle. Not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Not necessarily. Okay. Um, and then they move on into, and I, and I think this ties into the future orientation section, but time. So follow rigid time schedules is white. That's, you know, a, a, assuming whiteness. Time viewed as a commodity. So abusing or, or being disrespectful to your boss by being late for work is what is, uh, um, is not a problem. Um, following rigid time schedules. You know, if your boss says you need to turn X, Y, and Z in by um, next week or whatever it is, and you, you do that on time and you respect his request, his or her request, apparently that's being white. Um, this is another one of those items that just on its face is so absurd. It, it's, there's almost no words to describe it. Well, I have to imagine the Smithsonian Museums have tours at some point, guided tours. Yes. This, right? Uh, would, you, would you be happy if you went up and were like, when's the next tour? And the guy was like, oh, whenever. Like, would, would, you, <laughs> would you be happy about that? Uh, no, especially I, going to D.C., you know, people come – from far and wide to come to that city, they want to see, you know, they're on a time schedule themselves to be there and go home, you know, if they're visiting from out of town. So yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and it, and I think, again, this goes back to, let's take general principles that are rooted in uh, morals and ethics that God has established through his law, the writing of his law on the hearts of men and establishing his law and his word and let's just make those cultural relatives. You know, we can just change them how we want because guess what? These things are absolute. We can do whatever we want with them. And we'll just attribute them to some problem we don't like or, or whatever it might be. And, and I think that's where this is, this is coming from ultimately. All right. Uh, next one. Uh, I'll read it. Sure. Aesthetics. Based on European culture, steak and potatoes, bland is best. Woman's beauty based on blonde and thin. Barbie uh, is in quotes, so I'd assume that's the ideal. And man's attractiveness based on economic status, power, and intellect. Bland is best. What about the cheeseburger? Um, oh, that's too bland. That's too bland, yeah. Mm -hmm. Even if it has the, uh, the lettuce, tomato, and onion and ketchup on it, it's mm -hmm. still bland. We, you know. uh, I don't know. Maybe they're, they're really into spicy food or something. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't even know. I mean, obviously, we do have a lot of things based on European culture that the I, I fully admit the the majority culture immigrated from Europe. So, like, yeah, we're gonna have aspects on that. Um, not necessarily. That's not necessarily a white thing. Like, it's you know somehow some racial bias. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's that's just how it worked out. A lot of white people came here, and yeah. they settled this country. You know, it was a yeah. it was a British. Um, it was British land. That's where they came from. Um, yeah, I don't really know if there's much to say on this one. No, um, I will say man's attractiveness based, attractiveness based on economic status, power, and intellect. Again, like I, I've been to Korea a couple times. I don't think that's limited to white people. Like unless you're saying like other cultures have also just been infected by whiteness, white culture. <laughs> like uh, that seems to be a pretty universal thing. 
obviously there there are some people that don't go for that some women that don't find that attractive it's like fine okay uh and there's some that do um uh, the only thing i would say is uh base your choice of husband based on what the bible says what right uh, what it what is wise uh in god's sight uh not by a worldly thing so not necessarily rich um rich and powerful in fact those things can often come with uh with uh, baggage that you don't necessarily want in your life and will make right. you less happy. But re- regardless, I, I I have a hard time taking that seriously. I cannot <laughs> believe that you think like it's from white culture that people are attracted, that women are attracted to men with power and money that. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that seems like a stretch. Seems like a stretch. Um, and I mean, obviously, I think this is kind of racist in and of itself against white people, um, basically attacking how they look um, in, in, as coming from from white culture. But anyways, uh, the next section is is holidays um, based on Christian religions and based on white history of male leaders. Now, this one's stu- the second point. Whoops. Second point stu- uh, stood out to me because we have a national federal holiday of a black man, Martin Luther King, Jr., and he was a male and black so i'm not sure how that plays into this at all but um uh, but yeah. you're, you're just engaging in tokenism right now dan <laughs> like you, you brought up the one counter example okay well tokenism is a great way saying tokenism is a great way to try to get around that it's a valid counter example when it when it is um based on christian religions I, I might be a little bit more controversial in an already controversial podcast episode where I'd, I'd rather Christian holidays not be celebrated in the context of like just a general American holiday. Uh, when people gather right. on Christmas, a lot of them aren't there because they're Christians, because they're worshiping God and because they're celebrating the birth it's of the Savior. It's about family. Yeah, exactly. It's about the gifts. It's about, it, you know, oneness with everyone else yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So uh, like in that regard, it, I, I think it's actually very offensive to God. So I wouldn't, I would, like if you if you want to attack the holidays in that sense, sure. Um, I, I do celebrate Christ, Christmas and Easter, so I wouldn't say that they're all bad. But uh, sure, like doesn't necessarily need to be a cultural holiday. And I'm I'd not sure pretend. how you know the Fourth of July, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, how that all is based on Christian religions. But okay, uh, well that would be the white history of male leaders. And what once again. Um, white history president's day like these these are well yeah because it has been the majority culture you are going to have uh mostly white people in leadership and a lot of white history there that's it's that's just it's the way things yeah it's the way thing falls out that doesn't mean we don't celebrate other types of history like martin luther king day but it just means the majority it is probably going to reflect that you know um this is probably stemming somewhat from the idea of cancel culture you know let, let's let's just cancel these uh these holidays mm-hmm. it's not necessarily saying that here but i think that might be where it's going let's cancel these mm-hmm. holidays because they're based on christian religions and mm-hmm. white history and primarily mm-hmm. male leaders so and we can't I, have that i gotta say for like something like veterans day or uh, memorial day um you have other races that fought and died in those wars like 
that's not a celebration of purely white history. Like World War II. That is, isn't just, that's a good point. World War II is not just white history. Yes. It's not. Um, there was racism during that time. And the reason why we know that is because we study history. But um, <laughs> uh, so you have segregated Can't units and all. But are you saying that that war was just a white war and that the black people or whatever race were not fighting because they believed it was a good thing to fight? Like, uh, uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, it, it's, that, that's it's a good point. There were there brush. were people there were people of uh, of color that did fight in World War II against the fascism and the Nazism mm-hmm. and the socialism of europe and um, uh, they were yeah that's a good point yeah we're thankful for them absolutely I, I, i'm thankful for their their sacrifice there and i'm especially and that holiday for does not discriminate against those people at all no. no at all yep that's a good point all right um then they move on into whoops the aspect of or the uh principle of justice so based on english common law protect property and entitlements Intent counts. Yeah. Now, this, is, this is an interesting one. So um, based on English common law, obviously, because that's where we came from, it's going to be based on English common law. Um, and then they attack private property again, um, protect property and entitlements. Apparently, that's white. Um, I, I can't think of one person in the world that would uh, disagree with the idea of protecting your property and entitlements, what color, whatever skin color they are. Uh, but the I think the one that stands out the most is intent counts. So, you know, under our law, we believe there's a difference between uh, you have different degrees of murder. And what are those based on? At, at, at least between um, first degree murder and, and others is intent. First degree murder is serious, not only because you killed the person, but because you intended to kill the person. You didn't accidentally um, kill them. Uh, which would be, I think, manslaughter. And I'm, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But intent does count under our law. It counts as, as to the severity of the punishment. And so to say that intent counts is simply a white problem, uh, again, I, I think from a biblical perspective, I think is a problem. Because um, I, I think the scriptures, even under the Old Testament uh, theocracy that was there for Israel, I, I think there were laws that um, addressed intent with regards to how people uh, were punished. Um, yep. But this is how God has laid out his law. It, what your desires, whether you had certain desires in a certain act or not, play a role in the punishment. I think a good, an explicit example of this is in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus talks about lust. He says, if a man looks at a woman with lustful intent, he has already committed adultery in his heart. The sin is based on the heart desire, not necessarily act being carried out. So intent absolutely counts in the scriptures. And the heart is the matter uh, when it comes to, um, Jesus talks about this in Mark chapter 7. You know, out of the heart flow sexual morality, evil desire, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That comes from our hearts bent towards sin. Um, but we believe that there are certain uh, outpourings of intent in certain actions that show intent um, and, and need to be punished according to that intent. And that's important. Um, you know, if you're going to punish someone the same way, if someone, you know, say someone was looking at their phone and they hit a pedestrian and that person dies, you know, it, that person didn't mean to kill them, 
they'll be held accountable probably for their neglect. That would probably be manslaughter. Why? Because the, there was no intent. There was no malicious premeditation to hurt that person. But if someone is sitting at home is angry at someone and says, you know, I'm going to go and kill this guy because I don't like him and I'm going to plan it out and intentionally do it. You're going to have much more severity because you planned it out beforehand. You had a desire to do so. Um, yeah. So if, to say that this is unjust and simply just a white problem is um, absurd. Uh, you, you know, if someone's child is murdered by a pre, by premeditation and they're going to get the same punishment as the guy who accidentally killed somebody. I mean, you're, you, you talk about injustice at a level that is, yeah. so, it is evil. It, it's incredibly evil. Yeah. Um, well, let me, let me read from the old Testament here. Cause I did want to bring up one of the laws that does deal with intent sure. and then I'll uh, make a point. So this is from Deuteronomy chapter 19, um, starting in verse four. And the context of this is uh, laying out the uh, cities of refuge, which are cities that a person could flee to if, um, if they had unintentionally killed someone so that mm -hmm. they would not mm -hmm. be killed themselves. Mm -hmm. So starting in verse four, and this is the case of the manslayer who flees there that he may live. Whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having him hated, not having hated him in times past, uh, as when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber and his hand swings a stroke with an ax to cut down the tree and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he shall flee to one of these cities and live lest the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, pursue the manslayer and overtake him, because the way is long and kill him. Though he was not deserving of death, since he had not hated the victim in time past. So the whole point about whether or not this person is worthy of death or not is intent. Mm -hmm. So God clearly cares about intent. And uh, the often quoted verse against uh conservative christians is judge not right <laughs> and uh, i'd like to point out a little bit of the fuller context there it's judge not lest ye be judged for by the same standard that you judge you will be judged with that's that's what god's saying there you should you should think about your your judging and make sure you're not judging hypocritically and doing the same things it's not a blanket statement against judging period but jesus is still giving a warning there uh, if you judge people regardless of intent, do you want God to judge you regardless of your intent? Because you've done accidental bad stuff all the time. I, like nobody's perfect. Nobody's not done right. accidentally done something wrong. Uh, do you want God to judge you as if you had done it purposefully, regardless of intent? I wouldn't. No. Uh, so I think it's I think it's a very foolish thing, and you should listen to Jesus in that regard. Uh, no, we want to. When it's ourselves, we want to bring intent into it. No, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, but these people don't care, apparently. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd, um, and it and it does it flies in the face of what Scripture teaches. And and again, that's that this whole analysis is being put under. We we're trying to communicate. Not you know these aren't just cultural things or based in someone's skin color, but it is um, ultimately. A, a slap in God's face. It's rejection. It's a rejection of his created order of his law and precepts that he has set out. Um, and I think that's very important to, to reiterate.
Um, the next section here, we have a competition. Uh, this kind of had some mixed items in it. Uh, be number one, win at all costs, <laughs> the winner loser dichotomy, um, action orientation, master and control nature, must always do something about a situation, aggressiveness and extroversion. Um, so I, I guess people of color should be quiet. Is that what you're saying? And but, introverted. And introverted, yeah. Yeah, because introversion and extroversion, that's cultural, not like rooted in the person like it might, <laughs> it might come as a shock to people but i am actually an in, introvert uh so apparently i'm i'm against the grain and white culture in, in this uh this regard uh the the only reason i witness is because i recognize god wants me to it's to his glory and it's to the salvation of people's souls otherwise i would be inclined to sit at home all day and not interact with people but it's very unnatural for me to do so yeah I do it because uh, I recognize who I serve. Decision-making is apparently white, which is, a, again, another, you read this and you're just, you, you, face, you can't face palm enough. Um, again, someone made a decision to make this infographic. Someone made a decision to put up the, the Museum Somebody, of African-American History and Culture. I mean, it's, yeah. Somebody the, made a decision to take this down. I don't know if we, <laughs> we mentioned it at the beginning, but they ended up no, taking being this white. down. Although on their webpage, uh, Dan was saying, I haven't read it myself, but Dan was saying that if you read their webpage, it still has this stuff laid out. It's just they took the infographic down. Yeah, I mean, they, they, don't, they don't list out these things from what I remember, but the, the, basically the, the overall statement up here is expounded upon and, and kept, mm -hmm. essentially. I mean, the principle that is laid out here is still there. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Decision making. Someone took a decision to take this down. Um, majority rules. But, you know, uh, notice what's in parentheses here. Majority rules. That's white. Only when whites have power. It says in parentheses, when whites have power. I'd, I'd love for <laughs> an example of when whites don't have power, all of a sudden people are like, majority doesn't rule. It's based on X. I'd, 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 I'd like to know that. Because, um, like, I was trying to even think of what they might be referring to. And honestly, nothing comes to mind, which I'm sure somebody who agrees with this would just be like, Oh, see that shows your whiteness. You're, uh, you're blind to these things. But, um, I mean, providing an example would be helpful. At least I'd be able to know what I'm reacting. We substantiate your claim, right? Yeah. Um, the winner loser dichotomy, I, I think is ironic too. So, you know, I guess when president Obama became president and, um, you know, his opponent lost, he, he was assuming whiteness because he, paraded himself around as a winner of the presidential election and the other guy lost, you know, this dichotomy, we can't have that. That's being white. Mm. Um, again, it, it's, it's, no, absurd it's once on its again, face. it's, it's trying to war against reality. People, right. People don't want to know that they're, um, they're not as good as they could be or whatnot, because it makes them feel bad. So it's like, Oh, winner, loser dichotomy. It's not really about winners or losers because we wouldn't want anybody to feel bad. Well, we, the reality we live in, people feel bad. Like, uh, it, yeah, it, and you're going to have people... I didn't, want, I didn't do well at sports growing up. I didn't do well in gym. But, you know, whatever. That's just, that is part of who I am, and, and that's so fine. God I don't, is need, I don't need to win in everything. Yeah. Right. God and is... it's like, you know, someone got the job, and someone didn't get the job. You competed, you won, the other guy mm -hmm. lost. There, there, mm -hmm. I mean, there's just no way to get around that. Mm -hmm. That's not white. That's how God has ordained his created order to work mm -hmm. um so yeah 
And then finally, the last section here is called communication. Um, it says the King's English rules, that's white. Written tradition is white. Avoiding con avoid conflict, intimacy uh, is being white. Don't show emotion. Don't discuss personal life. Be polite. That's white. So we have to be disrespectful. We have to be arrogant. We have to be rude um, or, or we're assuming white culture. Uh, the written tradition one I thought was interesting because I'm pretty sure every single culture in the world has some form of oral or written tradition. Um, which well, I, I think that's what they're trying to highlight, that oral tradition is just as good as written tradition or something. Maybe. We're not making a know. value judgment on the content of the tradition, obviously, but written tradition is better just because it preserves better than oral tradition, you know? Um, like, I'm, Maybe I'm they're talking about this. like the 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 invention of the printing press kind of thing. Or, well, I mean, people were writing things down yeah, beforehand, obviously. Yeah. Uh, because... I, all I remember is from uh, history class talking about like the Iliad and uh, the Odyssey that uh, what we have might not be the original version because it might have become exaggerated over time because originally it was an oral performance. Uh, and mm. whether or not that's true, I, I don't know. Uh, but it would seem to me on the surface of it that written tradition is just a better way of preserving that tradition. Um, that's not a value judgment on the contents of the oral tradition or the written tradition. Obviously, there are some very heinous things that were written down, um, but it, it's just a, a judgment of how effective is it at preserving the me message. So I don't, I don't understand why that's a necessarily aspect of white culture either, because uh, I'm not even sure. I'm not even well. The earliest written language I have we have is once again I believe it was Sumeria, and that's in the Middle East. So that's not an aspect of whiteness. Yeah, I mean, cultures have been writing things down for for thousands of years. It yeah, you know, that doesn't really seem to play in as an argument against um, anything. Um, not showing emotion. Um, so, well, I'll show emotion by scoffing at that idea. <laughs> so, so being serious is what we uh, is a problem apparently. Or Don't discuss funny. your personal life. So we need to, I think, you know, we need to be extroverted as, Once again, as possible, I guess. That's, that's, a, that's a person by person thing. I don't discuss my personal life except with close friends, but I know people who do that are, that are white. And I don't look at them and like, oh, they're breaking the cultural norm. I re just recognize there are people that are like that and there are people that are not. And I see no correlation between race and that whatsoever. Yeah. And no. I wonder... I wonder with this infographic if they were just trying to see how much they could get away with. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Let, let's let's be as absurd as possible, and let, let's see what we can get away with. I, I don't know. Maybe. It's, uh, yeah. So we've made it through the entire thing. Yeah. Um, and I think where I first heard about this, I think was on um, the Ben Shapiro show. He went. I think he went through this. Um, and I didn't pick up on it really at first. And then I, I think I heard him talk about it again. And I was like, wait, what? You know, it was just so absurd. Um, and, and like we talked about before, they, the museum has taken this infographic down. Uh, so we, you know, we preserved it. But, um, you know, these are important topics. Um, and we know, you know, it's not, these aren't core truths of the faith, our faith necessarily, but they do have biblical implications. Mm -hmm. and addressing them from a biblical point of view um, is important 
making sure because these things are coming at us all the time as Christians. Um, yeah. And mature Christians obviously look at this and we just go, this is so ridiculous. You, you, there's not much to really whole lot necessarily to say on some of these things, but you know, these things are being introduced subtly in our culture mm-hmm. and we have to know how to counteract them. Now we're not theonomists. We don't believe we go and we just, you know, change bringing the kingdom of God through, um, through worldly means. We address it with the biblical truth, with the gospel. We, we seek to take the gospel to people like this into our culture that is pushing these type of th- this mindset. And I, and I'm, I think that um, the world plays with these things. One, they want to suppress, ultimately, it's suppression of the truth of God. But I think there's a realization that they cannot control everything. Yeah. They see injustice and, and racial inequalities, true racial inequalities, um, is a real injustice. And we would stand against it as Christians. We believe Amen. that racism is sin. We believe that all men are created in the image of God regardless of your skin color, you should be treated as an image bearer of God. But I think there is this reaction from the culture that we can't control everything. So we have to come up with these ways to try to um, fix it ourselves with our own limited power. And I think that's where these things uh, come from to some extent. It's, it's like this hopelessness. We can't control it. So we're going to swing the pendulum so far to the other side to try and control it and be God essentially yeah. in our actions. I think that's where some of this comes from. Yeah. That, that is, that is the original rebellion, right? The serpent mm-hmm. telling Adam and Eve, uh, you you'll know, be like you'll God, be, knowing exactly. good and evil. Exactly. So and do what is, you want. This is what people that want, they want to control reality, even though they have no control over it. And thus it ends up being completely divorced from reality. Um, and I, I want to address anybody who, I guess would identify with with this side or this perspective of things that uh, uh, according to God, God is objective. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, truth is in him. He, it is completely objective in that regard. Uh, and one day you will have to face uh, your maker. And uh, do you do you want him to have seen you as promoting, oh, you know, one God concept, that's a cultural thing especially when he said, no, I, I have, you know, I exist because I have revealed myself to you. That is not a position you want to be in. Uh, with all of this, all this rebellion, do you really want God, the perfectly righteous God to judge you for this? No, obviously not. Now, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to be judged for that. You don't, you have, you can be judged apart from your works. And, uh, that is by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ went to the cross to bear the wrath of God, to bear the sin that's due uh, to people for their sins, uh, taking all that wrath upon himself on the cross so that the one who believes in him has his sin that's atoned for and uh, has the righteousness of Christ perfect, uh, accounted to them. So uh, that you can stand on that day in Christ's righteousness, your sin being atoned for, it dealt with, and you don't have to. Uh, face the judgment of God. So uh, we, we would ask that you would uh, consider, no, not consider, that you would submit to Jesus, uh, that you would believe in him for who he is. Get a Bible, read it, and believe in the Jesus that uh, is revealed in those pages. Amen. Amen. That, that, is, uh, that is the gospel message right there. Yep. Amen. 
Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, I know this was a little bit of a longer episode, but uh, we hope that what we talked about is beneficial um, and edifying to you. Um, and Lord willing, we will be back next week. Uh, with that, uh, Lord bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one.